if we're able to successfully establish a model here in California, that proves, given its size particularly, that we can yeah. do it nationally. So there are different paths, but that's what I think, that's what I argue strategically, is to develop the political will, we have to expose the healthcare industry like it was tobacco. Buenas tardes, bienvenidos al cuarto de la habituación. ¿Cómo estamos esta noche? Uh, hoy vamos a hablar todo en español y nadie va a entender nada. Así que si están adentro de este círculo hispanohablante, muy bien. Y si no, bueno, que vayan a cagar. I am just kidding. Welcome to the Bituation Room Podcast Live, you guys. I'm Francesca Fiorentini. Si hablo espanol. Okay? No es soon big deal. All right? Um, but I hope you guys are doing well, and I hope you guys are fine on the inside. Not on the inside of your hearts, because in there it's all just rain and sadness and, like, a lot of, like, Sinead O'Connor. Um but on the inside of your homes, which is where we're staying for the foreseeable future because uh, we can have nothing nice and uh, the virus wants us gone and mostly our governments do as well. <laughs> I'm so tired of being indoors, but I'm so happy that you guys are here. Hey, if you're on Twitch, what's going on? Thank you for using those emotes. Yeah, I know what an emote is. Um. I made them. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like the stream, share it, uh, do all the things, flag all the flags, you know, whistle all the whistles, except for the dog whistle. Don't whistle that. Okay. No whistle. Actually, I kind of, I feel like maybe we, I almost miss dog whistles. Like the moment we're in, you're like, hey, what happened to the dog whistle? Remember when you couldn't hear all the, you know, open racism? That was better. Maybe. Um, And if you're listening in the future as a podcast, thank you so much. Hey, why don't you give this podcast five stars? It's the least you could do. I mean, you could also write a little something. Write a little something nice. And thank you, everyone, who's reviewed the podcast. I, I read every single review, and it's so sweet. Um, we have such a great show for you guys today. We're talking about Medicare for all. That's right. We're talking about Medicare for All, the fight ahead with Michael Lighty. Uh, he is going to break down what's going on on the national level, on the statewide level in California. Um, I know we've spoken about Medicare for All in New York, so uh, this is a follow-up to that. Uh, also, the comedian Danielle Perez is here. She is so wonderful, and I can't wait to break down all the news that has happened this week with her in the house. And also, we got a new segment. It's a segment. Uh, pitched by my producer, Becca, and I was like, that sounds good. Also very hard. It's called, What's Good? That's it. Just, what's good? So we're going to be looking at what we think is good. So make sure that you hold on to what you think is good. And hey, you guys, you know what was is actually really good? The fact that we have a Patreon for this podcast, patreon.com slash bituation room, and there are some new patrons since last week. Um, and once again, Y'all are the sexiest people on the planet. 
I don't care what anybody says. That's you. You sexy because you're a patron. And because of that, you get a Patreon party with my boy, Kevin McLeod. Oh, Kevin McLeod. It's, it's, it's Scottish. I've been corrected on this before. Kevin McLeod with his just a banger, just a royalty free banger called farting around while we get this patreon party started thank you thank you everybody for becoming a patron this week for gautam g j gautam j how are you robert g wendell b darren g wayne l scott you leave of l i think that's how you pronounce that name brent a Edward C is part of the innermost cabal. Hell yeah. Jacob W, also part of the innermost cabal. Welcome. Welcome. I'll give you your badge and all the initiation rituals very soon. Also, thank you to the big tippers. Anyone who's donated 20 bucks or more. Uh, Juan V and George B, you guys are awesome and always so, so wonderful. And that was the Patreon party, everybody. Ooh, it stinks in here. Ha. <laughs> um, I'm not above fart jokes, okay? Fuck you. Yeah, revolutionary politics and, and fart jokes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You don't like it? Oh, you don't like it? Leave. Leave. See your way out. Yeah, that's right. Just just go. No, but you guys all can tip this show at TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App, and you can become a patron a buck a month, five bucks a month. a month gets you a special shout out. And then there are tiers and tiers beyond that. There is bonus content this week. For example, I am looking at getting an interview with Alexis Goldstein, who wrote an incredible article about game stonks and uh, AOC interviewed her. So I'm really going to try and get her on a bonus episode probably Wednesday. So stay tuned for that. Let's get to it, you guys. What are you bitching about this week? Let me know in the comments. What's 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 got your goat except for, you know, fucking everything? Uh, mine is the New York Times editorial board. Yes. Just when everything's good, when you start to feel, hmm, maybe we're all on the same page about, you know, climate change and living and um, progress and you know, reactionaries who tried to overturn an election. All of a sudden, um, the New York Times op-ed will be like, not so fast. Here's what the elite think. (laughs) And the elite this week thought that they should put out a very special uh, uh, notice to the incoming president, to the president, Joe Biden, that just says, ease up on the executive actions, Joe. Oh, Ease up, buddy. (laughs) We want progress, but we're still trying to make a buck off this late stage capitalism. All right. Why don't you uh, ease up? And I've said this before on the show. Um, Fuck you. Okay. Just shut up. Hey, New York Times, ease up on the uh, death spiral defense of the status quo. How about that? Yeah. Could you could you do that for us? Um, Their argument, because I was like, look, maybe there's a good argument here. Maybe there's something. No, it really isn't all that good. The argument is basically, um, you know, let's not get out of hand with all the executive actions. There's a lot of them and we've got to work through Congress. Yeah. Have you seen Congress lately? You guys guys see what's up in Congress? We're going to get into Marjorie Taylor Greene. 
Congress has checked the fuck out of handling our democracy a long time ago, especially Republicans, mostly Republicans. They have no interest in working through uh, any kind of rescinding of the Trump hell legacy. So, like, I don't understand why working with them is going to be a priority. But let me just let me just go through some of the executive actions that, of course, The New York Times thinks are just too much. All of them, as I've said before, are basically just trying to clean up the scene of a crime. All right. That's there's nothing political about that. Things like getting rid of the Muslim ban, things like reinstating DACA, things like uh, ending the global gag order on any kind of aid to organizations that promote reproductive rights. Right. This is 1990s shit. OK, Um Stu- pausing the payment of student loans until September 20, t- uh, September 2021. Sorry, that's what I was going to. Like, none of this is radical. Okay. Yes, stopping leases on new oil, uh, on new oil and gas drill drilling, uh, leases on federal land or whatever. That was that was new ish. Ending federal contracts for private prisons. That's new ish. Does it apply to immigrant detention centers? Not yet, actually although their stock is being tanked right now, which is good. Um, there is definitely workarounds around no new, it's not no new oil and gas uh, wells or drilling permits at all. It should be, but it's not. None of these things are radical, but of course the New York Times is gonna be like, slow down, let us check this through and let's go through the proper channels. And this is what I'm saying about Democrats and, and media generally is our our memory that is just i mean it's like are we have we been binge drinking this whole time what's going on we don't we don't remember shit we don't know where we are in history like we don't understand that these are the things that should have gotten done years and years and years ago uh like the moment we are is like all of those actions are not even it's like a, a hillary clinton maybe one term of hillary clinton you know like v- nothing very 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 little um I wish it was more, and I think we have to keep pushing, but this is the thing with the centrists who tow the status quo line is that they're always afraid of being seen as combative. Meanwhile, when Republicans get in there, it's a total blood sport, like gloves off, blood sport, uh, you know, let us descend into uh, fucking barbarism as quickly as possible. Um and then when Democrats get in there, oh, it's supposed to be a dance. Now, now we're supposed to just be buttoned up. No, that's how you lose. That's how you get fucked over in the future because you're unable to deliver for anybody when it comes to anything concrete. And then the other party's like, hey, look at how ineffective they are. And then you get ruined in elections. We've seen this, people. Hello. Um, the last thing I'll say is, I do think that the power of the executive branch needs to be curbed for sure. I'm not saying that like, hell yeah, do everything by decree, you know? No, 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 no. I think we should absolutely reign in the power of the executive branch. We should create a lot of laws out of the norms that Trump got away with skirting and bludgeoning, right? Um, I do think ideally we work through Congress. I'm a full believer in democracy. Um, shit so broke right now. I don't know if we have that luxury. And the other thing I'll say about DACA, the New York Times is like, look at the DACA receivers, you know, first Obama promised them all this. And then Trump got in there and he rescinded it. But not in the, and it's like, yeah. And then they're like, oh, but Biden needs to put forward a plan. Biden's put forward a plan. He's straight up put forward a plan after three years green card for DACA recipients. That's the plan.
And he also has a plan to expand that uh, to the other 11 million undocumented immigrants in this country, right? That he is going to have to get through Congress, but there is a plan. So don't say there's not a plan. Don't say that he's got to work through Congress. Like, let's, I'm not really sure what the angle is here. Um, You would never apply, hey, let's stop doing so much to stop the spread of COVID, right? Well, arguably, we we had a white supremacist fascist in the White House spreading the virus uh, of authoritarian fascist Christian nationalism. So let's let's try and let's stamp that out. Let's get a vaccine for that shit. Anyway, I'm done. Also, New York Times, if anyone wants to give me a podcast, like I'm so there. I wanted I didn't I said nothing about you. Are you kidding me? All right. I'm, I'm not talking just to myself this whole time. And bring in our guest. She's a Los Angeles-based comedian, actor, writer, and host of the podcast, Wow, Rude. She stars alongside Jody Sweeten in the upcoming romantic comedy, Will You Be My Quarantine? And you can check out her conversation on disabled Latinx inclusion with NALIP at Sundance. Please welcome Danielle Perez. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, thanks for being here. It's, it, oh God. I see your backdrop and I'm like, I, pl- I just want to be in that party. I want to. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, in my mind, I live in a gay bar that is always open. <laughs> it's always there's poppers all around and there's always a drag queen lip syncing. OK, <laughs> that's 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 the world that I escaped. <laughs> I, I, I wish that were my friend. quarantine. Um, Danielle, for people listening in the future, has just like a rose gold uh, streamer situation behind her and it's beautiful. My roommates um, put it up on my birthday in April of 2020, and now it is January. It will be February when you listen to this in the future. Um, that's right. And it's still up, you know? Um, <laughs> it's going to be some heavy lifting for me emotionally. <laughs> yeah. Kev, uh, comedian Kevin Avery, who's been on this show before, a uh, good friend, has always put leaves his Christmas tree up all year round, which is a weird one. But then you like now I get it. This was the first year I was like, I don't want to take down the decorations. Like they make me happy. <laughs> I need more blinking lights. Oh God. I want my home to look like the inside of like an Indian restaurant in the Lower East Side, you know, like all oh, I love that. Yeah. Just all the warm light. and bright and it's They'll always someone's birthday at a random moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lights go off. Oh, God. Danielle, yeah. thank you so much for being here. And please, we start off the show in the way you heard me just uh, started off. Just a super light note of asking, what are you bitching about? <laughs> just a real cash. What are you bitching about? Yeah. You know, um, keeping it light and bright and airy. Uh, look, I'm an L.A girl born and raised in Los Angeles. I'm bitching about the rain. I just, I'm not with it. Even though I'm not leaving my house or going anywhere, it's still offensive to me personally. (laughs) Okay. Um, If you can see me, I have a curly hair situation. Usually my hair is in a blowout and rain is, is pretty, pretty, you know, I thought that, that all it's anti-black, but it is, it is a little <laughs> offensive, you know, it's a little, it's maybe a little prejudice is all I'm going to say. Uh, I thought, <laughs> I thought humidity was supposed to be good for curls though. Not like actual moisture water. Is just good. Like humid, look, I'm not from Florida. You got the wrong Dominican girl. I was born and raised <laughs> in Los Angeles. I don't know about that life, That. 
humidity all the time, always having an air, always a frigid air conditioning. No, it's supposed to be 72 degrees always. God. Too cold or too hot. And I... definitely no rain. <laughs> I'm very, I'm in the rain mood. I am on the opposite spectrum. Not that I'm going outside either, but I'm very much like, You're do you remember it. that? Yeah. Do you remember that garbage song? I want to really have you happy when it rains. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh God. That okay. was my, that was we like my 13 year old. Yeah. Early 2000s vibe. I mean, look, I love Celebrity Skin. It's a great album. We love Hole, you know? Um, <laughs> Miley's doing the good work of like reintroducing that for the Gen Z's and <laughs> yeah, but it's like with a uh, there's no one with the edge like no one's got Courtney Love at the edge of Courtney Love. Um, Courtney Love is still at it, man. She like posted something recently on Instagram. She's like, my only regrets are like fucking this dude, doing crack, <laughs> and like recording my second solo album. And it's like just like um, really amazing that like whatever the driving her is and her second solo album were just right up there with crack <laughs> crack and then like maybe driving kurt cobain into his little depression session I, look, well, I don't know all the conspiracy theories about this i just i my friend hannah michaels you know hannah michaels she's super funny but she had like this tweet that was like no one knows, like, uh, like Courtney Love can't be smart enough to have, like, murdered Kurt Cobain and got away with it and, like, be as stupid as everyone thinks she is. Like, she can't be both those things. So which is it? You know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Absolutely. That's, like, Look, I feel like we that's wouldn't like have had the Foo Fighters if things wouldn't have gone down the way they went down. And... I do I, feel like I want to look to had... the future. You know, the past no. is so is so dark and sad. We can't rewrite it. Well, the future. You think the future's good? I mean, it's so. I look. I oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, know well, if it's good, but there's opportunity in the future. That's true. It is yet unwritten. There might be another Kurt Cobain. I definitely think that grunge would have saved a lot of lost white boys right now, and I'm missing that movement. But I want to get boys have so much. They have everything. That's they have true. everything and they still shoot up churches and schools. It's like uh, at this point, the problem's not, you know, us. There's something there's we got to look at them, you know, and it's like, what's their problem? They look at them. We we're going to do our own thing anyway. As W. Kamau Bell always says, you know, go get your boy. Come come get your boy. And, um, you know, Kurt, Kurt, if you're listening, visit, visit these men in their sleep or something and be like, hey, man, just learn how to play the guitar and like, like fucking get a personality or whatever. Anywho, let's dig into the week, Danielle. Uh, so good to have you here. We're looking into everything that happened this week, mostly just three major stories. This is The Week Where. This was... The week where Joe Biden finished his first week as president. Yay! And part of the job has been making sure that the COVID-19 vaccine continues to be administered. Uh, and as of now, the vaccinations have unfolded much in the way that my career has unfolded. Um, sort of spotty and unstable, but effective one when appreciated and properly utilized. Um <laughs> 
Biden has promised 100 million vaccines in 100 days, and so far 31 million have been administered, at least the first dose has, and nearly 6 million have gotten both doses. Um, But all of this might be on the rocks because apparently nobody really knows what is going on. the yeah the administration uh got into the white house they ha- had a whole plan and according to reports like the entire rollout is way more disorganized than they quote unquote expected and i'm like oh you expected anything like yeah. how <laughs> did you expect anything other than like stacks of paper with the word vaccine written on them you know, next to like a box of Moderna swag, just like being guarded by a raccoon or some shit, you know, like, like, well, we don't have the vaccine, but this raccoon has got a lot of top shelf polar fleeces with the Moderna logo on it. So, you know, asking you shall receive a free pen. Um, Uh, apparently, though, the Biden team is trying to get a firm grasp on where on the whereabouts. This is real of more than 20 million doses of the COVID-19 vaccine that the federal government bought and distributed to states, but is yet to record as being administered to patients. And I'll tell you where they are. All right. Where are they? Our logo, baby. Yeah, they're being given out for free. Like if you book a tea time, you get a free vaccine. If you reserve two weekends in a row, you get a vaccine and a state secret. That's obviously how it's going. Um, if you get a personal massage, you get an extra polo fleece too. Oh God, <laughs> I I mm, I wouldn't massage him, but I want an I want a nice pull. A fleece. I I would have to put something over the Moderna logo. Danielle, are you? What are you hearing of the vaccine? Have you gotten it? Has your family received it? The vaccine is the wild west right now. It's like the lotto for pores, which is the lotto, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're all poor now. Um, none of us are rich in the vaccine. My dad got it because my dad is of age and a vet. He got it through the VA. Oh, nice. Um, you know, still playing the lotto, the vaccine lotto with my mom, trying to get her vaccinated. It's, I'm high risk. I have asthma. Um, that's my pre-existing condition. Yeah. And uh, apparently people with disabilities aren't on the list to get vaccinated yet. It's just like adults 65 years or older. Which but, is what they say. And yet mm-hmm. I know of other people who aren't well, getting the vaccine. Okay. So healthcare workers or whatever, I'm like, or whatever, you know, like those people like saving <laughs> our lives actively and like keeping us all from just like wiping ourselves out as like a population on this earth. <laughs> um, there's also everyone like running the COVID everything that was a COVID testing site in Los Angeles is basically being turned into a a vaccine administration site. And so all of the employees kind of like running that, they're also now kind of in like a lotto to get vaccinated because they have to work around so many people. So they're like, you're part of that, like a one tier. I feel like they should just add people who haven't fucked like since 2019 to the list as like an a (laughs) one tier. Asking for myself, I would just like, <laughs> I would like to be injected. With, that makes uh, sense as much as uh, anything else, especially, apparently there is like a, a baby bust right now. People are not 
procreating which no. yeah and so i think that would be worth it not that you well no it would really I'm suck sorry. to get pregnant after your first time of sleeping with someone i mean it just year. might happen look i have a you i have a i was gonna say uti iud <laughs> well we don't know it's been so long you know is it still working like, exactly we, we don't know we gotta put it to the test let's find out let's get vaccinated <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, I think you think we need to we need to make everything a little bit sexier generally, and I do think that vaccinating horny ass people um is a great would be really a, a morale boost for our nation. I think it would. I think it would. It'd be like you know, sex is happening again. You know, we're we're getting tested. <laughs> yeah. Everything's Please back to normal. Everyone's wearing masks while they're fucking. Campaigns, get vaccinated, safe sex. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I don't really know. I feel like the vaccine, you know, I've known people who've gotten the first dose, but then the getting the second dose appointments has been really hard. And again, apparently all this is falling to the states and the states are like, we don't know how to do yeah. that. I guess like um, California, it seems, or at least like, Los Angeles, the, the, the way that they're kind of going about it is they want to prioritize like full vaccination versus just giving everyone like Makes a sense. first dose. They're like prioritizing people who've gotten the first dose and making sure they get the second dose. I mean, but I don't know. I don't know in reality how that's like working out for people. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I just know that I have to like, you know, go online for my mom and it's like, I already have been having to teach her how to zoom for over a year it feels and i'm done i'm done with my mom and the ipad and technology and i don't want this life anymore i didn't sign in up to be my mom's apple genius in a pandemic that's so why, why she had you that's why you have kids is so that they can explain how their apple music playlists work like my mom definitely is more in love with the genius bar person on the phone than me like she's like well you know Grant always picks up my phone call and you're like, oh, Grant gets paid. I don't know. Maybe pay Grant. me to be your daughter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have you thought about that bribery? <laughs> That's exactly you might right. get oh, service with a smile from me. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, I'm uh, I, I hope it's going to happen. I hope it keeps on rolling out. Uh, let, tell Bill Gates to give us even more money. Um, I just want to see the crazies go nuts. Moving on. This was the week where. We learned that the stock market is actually super problematic. Um, I guess we somehow didn't know that after even after like Wall Street tanked an entire economy from the subprime mortgage lending scheme and then was bailed out. Um, so it took this week a group of Redditors to remind us uh, when they successfully boosted the stock value of the retail company GameStop which a number of hedge funds were trying to short in order to make huge profits. And instead, those hedge funds have been put on the fritz. Yeah. Um, the retail store market value uh, spiked the, the value of GameStop from $2 billion to more than $24 billion. And, yeah. yeah. And as a reminder, um, workers won't see a dime. But I wanted to say that for me, this story, and I've been following it all week, is very much like the magic like the, the magic eye poster of stories, you know, you see what you want to see. 
Okay. Some people see the 99% sticking it to the 1%. Others see a group of neck bearded Elon Musk reply guys also playing the same rig stock market so that they can buy a cyber truck. Wherever you land on this, if there's one thing this story has done, it's made us all ask like the hard questions, you know, like what the fuck is a hedge fund again? Um, and maybe I should watch the movie The Big Short one more time. <laughs> I love that they literally made a movie about this like very situation and it starred like Matt Damon. I think it won awards and they're like still allowed to do that. But I <laughs> I know it's amazing. Like our our brains love Matt Damon. He's white. He's like your fave. He was in like all those war yeah. movies. Like Listen he didn't do anything about it. <laughs> Exactly. Once it like if it's Oscar nominated, they must have regulated the finance industry by now. It's like my I love all the class action lawsuits against like Robin Hood that are happening now because like people started, you know, once it started going pretty mainstream, like off Reddit, people were like trying to get in on the action. And oh yeah. Just, you know, like, is this the plot of like Lim is like it felt like it. Um <laughs> But I, okay, true story. Um, Mm -hmm. I do have some investments and I like hit up my account manager and was like, can we buy GameStop? And she was like, absolutely not. And I was like, like, I don't know. I'm just like seeing a lot of talk around it and I'm interested. And she's like, very volatile. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, point, isn't that what's cool about it? I know. I was like, but uh, isn't that what's exciting? And then I was like, "Hmm, yeah, interesting. I don't know. I know that um, Robin Hood is like restricting people from buying it. She's like, exactly. Hint, take the hint. And I was like, um, but isn't that like illegal considering it's like a free market? And she's like, there needs to be order. And I was like, <gasps> you're like, you're one of them. It was just like, oh God. I was that like, is oh, so, so funny. God. It's like everyone that's like, actually, it's just like, oh, the whole system is so corrupt. But that's literally like, <laughs> that is, there, there needs, needs to be, to be order. order. It was so ominous. And it was like, <gasps> I am on the wrong side of history with this, but also no, I- you're on the right side of history. That is <laughs> well, because I mean, we're, and we're going to talk about the healthcare industry too, but like, look, you're, you're no, no offense to your financial manager, your account manager, but like, you know, there's a lot of people feeding off of this system and, and they don't want to jeopardize their own placement in all this. And like, you know, like they went to school for it and like, yes, you, I'm sure you did, you know? Um, yeah. And when we have a just transition away from the stock market, what's your financial advisor's name? What's her name? Yeah, let me let me just dox her right now. She'll love that. Oh, okay, well I'll call her. I'll call her Jessica. Jessica will be. She will be comfortably placed. You know, in uh, like you know, in in the reeducation camp of uh, you know economic we all justice. Know camps are a great idea. You know, historically, just, camps have always been super fun. Never gone wrong. Look, they've just listened, Danielle. They've just never been done right. Okay, you know what I mean. No, I'm kidding. Obviously, I'm joking. But what I'm saying is, it's very funny to see people like get super territorial. About well, it's just it's like issue. this is how it's worked. This is how it's always worked. This are like the. It's like I don't know. It's like kind of like. 
I felt like very like, you know, like Hillary Clinton vibes where it's like, I played the game and I made compromises and there's blood on my hands, but fuck it. I did everything I was supposed to. And it's like, and now you're just coming in and changing all the rules. Like, that, do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I feel like that's what the energy is a little bit. Like, how fucking dare you? Totally. Like, you're not supposed to work this way. It's supposed to work the other way. Like. <laughs> So funny. So, so, so funny. That's exactly what it is. And of course, you know, uh, Maxine Waters, uh, reclaiming her time, uh, chairwoman of the House Committee, yes, House Committee on Financial Services says she's calling a hearing to discuss the activities surrounding GameStop and the impact of short selling and online trading platforms on capital markets and retail investors. So it is dope what is the conversation and the fallout. And I hope we talk more about that as a country because. It, it would be very funny if, like, an entire economic collapse in 2008, the Great Recession, wasn't enough to, like, spur real regulation, but, like, some dudes trying to make a quick buck off of GameStop. Like, hedge fund bros just, and like, just, losing their shirts because of Redditors. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is going to do it. I saw a meme yesterday. Oh, my God. Literally, it was, like... Um, Master Splinter and like a little baby, like Ninja Turtle. And it was like, you know, Master Splinter is GameStop and the little turtle is like us. And then like the Ninja Turtle has like grown up in the next like window and like Shredder is old and like with a cane and it's like us holding GameStop's hand. Like... <laughs> So self-serious. Like just, oh my God, just a bunch of Redditors for the lulls trolling <laughs> the fuck out of Wall Street, uh, like injected into my veins. I can't wait to see this movie. No offense, <laughs> Matt Damon. Yours didn't have enough of an impact, clearly. But <laughs> hopefully, I don't even one. remember that it was, I thought it was Brad Pitt. Am I wrong? Was that I mean, Moneyball? That was Moneyball, wasn't it? I mean, oh, yeah, I think Moneyball was around the same time. It's yeah. like always like, why don't you guys just make another Ocean's Eleven? Because <laughs> all of you together on screen, similar, same place, it feels like it. You yeah, but this time, that. kiss. Because yeah. that'd be hot. Anyway, mm -hmm. final story for y'all. And thank you so much for sticking around and being here. Oh, wait, I had a final story, but it's not here. Um, oh, you know, Cuckoo, Cuckoo Cocoa Puffs. Oh, yes. No, I oh, I, I have it. You know what's funny is I didn't actually really write that much for this. Oh, no worries. I don't really know her name. Insane. This is a week where 50 House Democrats have been calling for the removal of Georgia Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene um, for Ooh. many different comments that she has made recently. Um, approving of the storming of the Capitol, saying that it should have happened again or that she was proud of it. Um, calling for the uh, the basically the death of Nancy Pelosi. She was speaking at the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th and said something that like Nancy Pelosi is a traitor and what do we do with traitors? That is it, it is punishable by death, what she is doing, blah, blah, blah. Um, a couple other things that she has said, she suggested that Muslims don't belong in government, thinks black people are held held slaves to the Democratic Party, called George Soros a Jewish Democratic me mega donor, a Nazi, um, 
called George Soros a Jewish Democratic megadonor, a Nazi, and said she would feel, quote, proud to see a Confederate monument if she were black because it symbolized progress made in the Civil War. Yeah. Huh? I like no sentence that any white person like says that like begins with or ends with if I were black is like, that's <laughs> never a good sign. It's like, but you're not. So you stay in your lane. <laughs> you stay <Does> white <laughs> because no. that's what you know. <laughs> yeah. Don't never just don't finish. Don't finish that sentence. And uh, also, one last thing. She thinks that 9-11 and the Parkland shooting were false flags and that Obama was a Muslim, which is always a weird one to me because I'm always like, so? And if? And? If he was? He wasn't. But if he was, mm, not a big deal. Um, just for an extra, the the last thing I'll say, and then I want to get into, uh, play a little a little snippet of some of her Ooh, We have a visual aid. Gems. We have some visual aids. I love that. But the best thing that she claimed this week was that, or, or that was uncovered this week that she had posted to Facebook earlier was she said that a devastating wildfire that ravaged California was started by a laser beamed from space and controlled by a prominent Jewish banking family, the Rothschilds. Um, we wow. literally got your like crazy aunt who was like a mega conspiracist like in the government like in charge of like laws like that's who's that's who she is it's yeah. absolutely terrifying yeah <laughs> a laser i guarantee this woman is what she's totally like anti-global warming like she's doesn't she's anti-science right she's gotta be She's got to be anti-science enough oh, yeah. to not believe in global warming, but like pro-science enough to like believe in lasers. <laughs> yeah, like she was, she was, she was in like fifth grade science class when they put, you know, like vinegar and baking soda together. And she's like, that's the devil's work. You know, like that was her yeah, yeah. vibe. She's like, that's impossible. Um, she, uh, she said a, a few people other voted for her. Like, because she's, like, in the House of Representatives. So it's, like, conceivably, like, you know, I, gerrymandering. It could essentially not be a ton of people. At least 20,000. I'm going to say at least 20. Jesus. Um, let, let, let's play just a little clip of some, of some of the gems and the hits from Marjorie Taylor Greene. Or Marjorie, yeah. The deep state has been in place for many, many years. Q is a patriot. He is someone that is very much loves his country. Is that why um, the country music festival was targeted? Because those would be the people, would be the ones that we would relate to? So she becomes senator um, in New York City. And yes, I could dive into uh, Kennedy getting killed in the plane crash because isn't it interesting that he had announced he was going to run? Are they trying to terrorize our mindset and change our minds on the Second Amendment? Yes, I do believe he is a Muslim. The information that Q has revealed is mostly in the form of questions leading you to fill in the blanks. So that's another one of those um, Clinton murders, right? So he's like telling you in advance, kind of in the form of asking a bunch of questions. President Trump is the first president, yes, the first president in a very long time that is not deep state controlled. Not wow. American deep state controlled. She 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 might be right about that. But Russian deep state controlled? Mm, probably. Where is the P tape? I still want it. Um, this, like, you know, it's so funny because I, I just feel like it's, it's like, like, why? one back, like, 
in a wig. Like, what is this? Just, it's like red string Charlie Day nonsense. It's like, I can't believe that she's a real person in our government. In our government. And who has been like setting off along with Lauren Boebert, like setting off the, uh, the the metal detectors and not allowing them to search her back like what the fuck dude are I mean, you just she shouldn't be allowed in the building i guess it's like this exactly. is a thing i don't understand is like and i guess like this is like kept happening during trump's presidency but it's like if there are rules and you break them like you don't get to like participate like otherwise what's the point of having them right you're yeah. setting off a fucking alarm you're not getting in that building unless we're searching your purse like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, it just, I, that's what I think is so confusing about, like, her presence is, like, is there a real rule that she is violating? And if so, then let's take the appropriate action. Like, yeah. get her the fuck out. Well, that's what this, I feel like actually that's a broader statement on this political moment that we're in. And let me just say briefly, like, I think that I, I've, a lot of folks have said, you know, like, well, Marjorie Taylor Greene is the future of the Republican Party and this is it. This is what it is. And, you know, 75 million people voted for Trump and that's what they want. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just like slow it down a little bit, because if we can just say I feel like we're executives in like, you know, talking about reality television and you're like, well, you know. The floor is lava is what people want. And that's not a bad one. Being like the swan where people cut up their faces and, uh, you know, we completely... should bring back the swan, though. I, I kind of like the swan. I, I'm picking bad examples. Swan. The point is this. The point <laughs> The point is just because people want it doesn't mean it's actually okay or good for them. Actually, I don't I don't believe in that. I don't believe we should just sort of like, well, got to give the people what they want. And if this Q conspiracy theorist, you know, uh, nut job who thinks the Clintons murder people is going to be a leader and who doesn't believe that the election actually gave, you know, that Biden actually won the election. Then, the, well, you know, let's like, let's draw a line somewhere. And so I feel like it's a little bit like I don't want to get into the inevitability of how nuts these folks are. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess I just don't understand um, how the Republican Party can be like, like it, at the same time, be like, well, this is the future, but also this isn't who we are. And it's like, yeah. pick one, because both can't be true at the same time. Like this has been... Yeah. The Republican Party as I know it, right? Since like Obama, mm -hmm. all the Tea Parties, that's opened the door for this, you know, the yep. Tea Parties, the birthers, all of that is like when everyone got so enraged at losing any modicum of like white privilege that they were like, I have to do something about it. I have to stand up for my values, which are whites first, blacks. Yep. And Muslims and everyone else away. Get yeah. Yeah, they'll they, you know, whatever. Uh essential workers. Uh, this is, is like um, I guess like that's the thing that it's like I don't I I don't understand how people in the Republican Party can stand by and be colleagues and cohorts with someone like that and not have any decency to be like this is actually really bad like this isn't yeah. just even bad Th this is just like bad for humanity 
Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. No. I mean, it's funny. I've, I've long given up on Republicans having any kind of bad for humanity moment, but definitely like a, this is bad for the party. You know, this is a terrible it's a bad look. It's not a cute look. It's definitely not a cute look. It's not. I mean, oh my God. It's not, it is not a cute look. Q is not a cute look. Q okay. Everyone look. tell their Karens Q is not cute. Um, also, can we just talk about how maybe CrossFit had something to do with her mind going nuts? Don't she don't crossfit, cancel me, CrossFit. CrossFit Dude, she's really into CrossFit, guys. Someone tell me whether CrossFit is a gateway. She's probably into CrossFit. She's probably into keto. She's in a Oh, you know what? She probably gets um, she probably has like acrylics, like French dip acrylics. I feel like that's her vibe too. <laughs> Again, not a great I look. I think I know what that yes. I think I'm like, I know what that means. That means that means mm -hmm. it's wine o'clock somewhere. Um, but I will, I want to uh, bring in our guest. We're talking about Medicare for all and the future of this fight uh, in a time we need it most. And joining us for the sitch is uh, an organizer and an advocate who has developed policy for single payer Medicare for all nationally and in California for 29 years. He's the founding fellow of the Medicare uh, of the Sanders Institute, excuse me. Um, last year, he was the healthcare constituency director for Bernie 2020, and he currently works with the National Union of Healthcare Workers. Please welcome Michael Lighty. <laughs> thank you, Francesca, and thank you, Danielle. Boy, I was, I was, uh, it was a laughathon. I got to tell you, I can't believe I have to follow you too. Laughathon. <laughs> what can I do that. to earn that? Yes, let's get serious now. <laughs> Very, yeah, no. Well, yeah, we were just talking about I IEUDs. I was like IEDs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, every woman's right to have an IED uh, in you know where. And um, suddenly, like, I'm getting all, like, flustered. But, Michael, <laughs> you, you've been working on this issue for so long. And I think that there has been a lot of internet chatter about Medicare for all and how to win it. Uh, it's something that's close to my heart as someone who uh, did a whole special, an hour-long special on healthcare in the United States for MSNBC. But I also pay through the nose every month for marketplace, you know, bullshit premium, you know, premiums coming, you know, whatever, uh, coming at me real quick. And I haven't been to the doctor all last year. Uh, we're in a pandemic. I pretty much don't know why I have healthcare other than maybe this will serve me if I do get sick. It's just an emergency like it is for everyone. It's, it's a luxury item somehow in the year 2021 in the United States still. Um, but yeah, where, where are you in this moment of the pandemic and everything, and you as someone who's worked with nurses unions um, and has have worked with all these healthcare workers and their labor is being, um, I think, underappreciated. The country has been letting them down by not actually keeping its people safe and, and you know, throwing them onto onto the backs on, uh, of these healthcare workers. Um, but how do you feel about this moment? How do you think this moment would be different if we had Medicare for all, a lot of people have said it wouldn't be where, where, where are you at on that? We would have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. There is literally no way you could design a healthcare system that would be worse to handle a pandemic than the for-profit industry that we have now, because 
Why don't healthcare workers have protective personal equipment? Because these corporations, these hospital corporations, don't have oodles of supplies on hand. They just in time their supply chains, so they have only as much as they think they're going to need. Well, guess what? They didn't know how much they were going to need, and they didn't have it. The public health, public health spending has gone down nearly uh, 50% over the last 10 years. A robust public health system is at the heart of Medicare for all. There would not be seven and a half million people who lost their health insurance. There would not be uh, workers of color who have to go to essential jobs that would have huge health inequities for years because their chronic conditions were not adequately treated. Yeah. We would not have a system rooted in white supremacy and systemic racism that characterizes our healthcare system because we would have taken the path that Medicare started when it desegregated Southern hospitals and continued to address those systemic issues mm. that cause these, these health inequities. So it's just hard to imagine how it wouldn't be different. We wouldn't have um, a fraction, I don't think, of the kind of failures in testing, in quarantine, in contact tracing, in vaccinations, if we had a fully integrated publicly financed system that didn't depend on the profits of the insurers. They made $15 billion in 2020 during the pandemic. And people, 400,000 Americans, not to mention hundreds of thousands of people around the world have died. Yeah. So this is a movement to save lives and we would have saved them had we had Medicare for all. I mean, I mean, it makes sense why they're saving money, right? Because people are not actually going to the doctor that much. I just said I wasn't going to the doctor. They're saving even more money. So they're making hand over fist money. But it is a really it is a moment. And it's it's interesting because um, I feel like I think a lot of times when there's a crisis, you're told by um, the powers that be that basically you have to um uh, scale back all, any of your demands and you have to ask for less. And this is not the time and there is no money and look at all the people struggling. And I think the, that this country is very ready for the opposite response, which is this crisis has exposed just how, um, how actually hung out to dry working people and all people have been by our government and the lack of any kind of healthcare system and a plan um, but also, look, they're going to keep making so much money as we go forward because the conditions that are going to be coming out, the health conditions and lasting health conditions that come out of COVID are only going to spell more profit for them. Um, and and so we we know this is an issue. Um, we know like I'm tired of making the moral argument, like I'm tired of making the financial argument that that's like done. You know, I mean, at least in these spaces, right? When we, we're on the left, we're progressives, we know what we stand for. The question is, how do we get the political will? And I know you were part of a national conference, a strategic conference, um, a strategy conference to talk about Medicare for all and the future of it on a national level, and that you actually wrote a strategy paper um, around this. So where are your, this is big, but broad strokes on um, how do we get that political will moving forward? Well, we, what we need is we need to change the conversation from whether to do Medicare for all to how. Mm -hmm. And so one way to do that, obviously, is to show real support in Congress for the Medicare for all legislation. So one of the things coming out of the strategy conference was an effort to get as many co-sponsors or more on that bill that we had last session when it's introduced uh, in the next few weeks. And that will probably happen after COVID. Secondly, there's a project called Profit Over Patient, uh, Patients Over Profits 
patients mm -hmm. over profits that National Nurses United has done that exposes the contributions that the healthcare industry has made to these politicos. All these elected officials who are whoring for the health insurance industry are taking millions of dollars from the largest political contributor to Congress, which is the healthcare industry, including the pharmaceutical corporations and these for-profit hospital corporations, as well as the insurance companies, right? Yeah. So they're all feeding at the public trough. We expose that. Secondly, we can change from whether to how if we pursue single payer at the state level, like in New York, like you discussed, and like in California. So mm -hmm. if the governor puts in a waiver request, you've got a pro single payer uh, guy, pro Medicare for all guy running health and human services, probably Javier Becerra. Right. You've got a CMS administrator who's sympathetic. You've got a governor who ran on the issue. So that sets it up. Once he asked the Biden administration, hey, let us do this, then you figure out how we're going to do it. And we engage the stakeholders. Well, if we're able to successfully establish a model here in California, that proves, given its size particularly, that we can yeah. do it nationally. So there are different paths. But that's what I think. That's what I argue strategically is to develop the political will. We have to expose the healthcare industry like it was tobacco, make it as to toxic as tobacco. Right. The same, and then we and we do have to be concrete about how workers are going to be better off, how we're all going to save money, how we're going to save lives. And we need to mm -hmm. talk about that, right? Mm -hmm. But ultimately, this is a problem among Democrats because. There are 60 Democrats when you need 41 votes in the California Assembly, right? That's I I want to get into that question. Oh my God! But I I do want to just say sort of broadly who who's involved in in this um in this effort? Like who was there at the meeting? I'm assuming on Zoom. But what kind of organizations and and what does the coalition look like? Well, for the first time, and I do mean this, and it's a a failure. Uh, up until now, but for the first time, we're actually building a more multiracial coalition. It's starting to happen for the first time, for the first yeah. time. And addressing these profound health inequities, addressing, you know, when when black folks and others hear all, they often don't believe it, that it does, hey, it's all, yeah, right, all, mm -hmm. all you white people. Yeah, I've heard that from activists many times and we're confronting it really for the first time in our movement and addressing these issues directly. I think it's significant that the president of Physicians for a National Health Program, a leading advocacy organization, is a black doctor, black woman doctor, who is extraordinary, Susan Rogers, Dr. Susan Rogers. We did a panel this summer uh, with doctors Linda Murray, former head of the uh, Cook County uh, health system, and Dr. Mary Bassett, former head of the public health system in New York, with mm -hmm. Dr. Rogers. That was seminal in terms of changing, I think, the, the discourse and the character of how we're going to organize on this issue. The traditional organizations are there, Healthcare Now, Labor Campaign for Single Payer. It, most people don't realize, but unions representing a majority of workers in America support Medicare for All. Yeah. At the leadership level, at the international level, they're also often, you know, beholden to Democratic Party politics. You talk to any labor person who negotiates mm -hmm. contracts and they say, get it off the bargaining table. We need Medicare for all. I, that's a really interesting point. I mean, one thing that I was really disheartened by, and I'm just going to name it and I want, then I want to get into strategy, but that was the DNC voting, you know, down a Medicare for all platform, which look, it was in a moment of Bernie or Biden. And a lot of people decided to play it safe. And of course, Biden ran in opposition to Bernie basically on a, 
know we can fix and make the ACA better. Um, so I get politically why it didn't happen and why maybe some leaders of um, like reproductive rights organizations and major unions did not vote for it. But I was incredibly disheartened. Um, do you think the tune is changing now with the pandemic and some of these leaders in, in those organizations? Are you trying to expand to get some of these major nonprofits on board? Um, yeah, I think there's I think what we have to do is convert organizations that support single payer or Medicare for all into actively putting it in the top three of their priorities. Right. And right. that's the challenge, frankly. Yeah. Now the pandemic, you know, honestly, I felt like the pandemic would, would kind of stimulate a sense of solidarity and that we're all in this together and bring to the fore, you know, caring and, and kindness, which really need to be at the heart of the healthcare system. Instead, it's been, you know, subject to the partisan divide uh, and, and, and hasn't really generated that solidarity. But still, things like the Healthcare Emergency Guarantee Act, which would cover everybody's co-pays, would put everyone who's lost insurance into Medicare, yes. would do for the insured and the uninsured, right? That still could be live. We could get that through reconciliation. We could support Senator Sanders' effort on that. And I think unions, particularly in the hospitality and service industries, this is it. Restaurant workers, right? 60% of restaurant workers uh, at least have lost their jobs. They don't have any health care options. Absolutely. The bill that's being discussed in Congress doesn't provide it, really. But this would health care, you know. Uh, emergency and and I think, I mean, I Danielle, I've been thinking like, man, we need to like comedians for for a single payer you know like <laughs> we, yeah we do we need like you know entertainers for single payer or whatever you know like if you're not um you know if you're not in the union if you're not in the guild uh you need healthcare, and even if you are you have to get you have to you know earn a certain amount in order to access the healthcare within that union so look it is it's beneficial to all of us um my dad constantly talks about how medicare is the best health insurance he's ever had because he's yep. old, <laughs> you know, he loves it. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but make you a Democrat real quick too. Like I've talked to Republicans who are like, the best thing that ever happened to us was uh, turning sixty-five. Yes. Then when you're like, you realize that Republicans have constantly put Medicare on the chopping block. They're yeah. like, oh no, I didn't know yeah. that, and I yeah. hate that. Well, uh, like I'm disabled. I use a wheelchair. I'm a bilateral balloon of the, the the knee amputee, and I feel like so much of what's like been happening in the pandemic is just. Everyone talks about the death toll, but no one talks about everyone who's going to be living with like core uh, comorbidities and the disability that's going to exist after all of this is over mm -hmm. and how instrumental single payer healthcare would be in just helping disabled people live like and truly actively like be part of society because the way the system already exists for disabled people is i mean that's why you have gofundmes yeah it's it does not a week goes by where i don't see a gofundme for people who need medical help and yeah. really that's pretty much what it's for it's like the majority of of the uh accounts there okay. because we don't we don't have that safety net and and it's it's oh it's just and, and the other like it's it's such a no, thing where it like you know it's not a laughing matter and it's so serious and it and I don't think that the, there's just a lot of people that I think um, before COVID 
kind of went through life and never really were there are hospitals for an emergency. Maybe they were in a hospital for like a day or two or they broke their arm, but like I've been hospitalized for months at a time. And when you know people who are chronically ill or sick or disabled where they understand what it is to really need medical attention like that. And then like what it can do to you financially, mm. it's just, it, 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 it hits in such a different way. It isn't I, I it's moral the same thing. of being like, you know, I guess it's the thing. It's like, well, they're a fast food employee or they're a bus boy. And it's like, that's not a moral failing. That's an honest job and it's an honest living and they deserve, you know, health insurance and, and equal access yeah. to that. It's, a, it's an incredible, I mean, it's funny because the pandemic and the way we approach it, it's not funny, but the way we approach the pandemic is like, you don't really think about it until you or someone uh, dies or, you know, someone, you know, dies or someone, you know, gets really incredibly ill. And, and if you zoom out, that's the way we've been treating healthcare in this country as well. It's pretty much, well, it's not my problem. I don't see it until you're in an accident, until you, you know, you get incredibly ill. So anyway, um, Michael, but, but you were going to say. Yeah, no, I was just going to say to Daniel's point and to your point there, that's why we have to lift up the experiences of folks with disabilities. That's why we have to lift up the, the fact that anyone can be subject to this healthcare industry. And that's what COVID proves. Medi Medicare for all is a huge, huge life-saving quality of life improvement for people with disabilities. The, um, there's, you know, Danielle, there's a wait list of nearly 700,000 people who are eligible for services under existing law and simply aren't funded. There's a whole set of services that they're not even eligible for. We fix all that. We include long-term care. We include the support services, transportation that are not just strictly medical. So I think we need to lift that up. Basically, disabled people saved the ACA. Let's be clear. Yes, they did. They, they did. absolutely did. They did. And we need that. You talk about political will, Francesca. That's what we need. We need to really embrace the reality because I have diabetes. I have an autoimmune disease. The vaccine isn't probably even going to help me that much. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what, you know, what are we looking at here? Right. Yeah. And that's what we got to get people to, to focus on, I think, is the reality that everyone faces. Yep. And some of Absolutely. us are just on the front lines like yourself, Danielle. Right. But all of us are in the same same line. And so, you know, you mentioned waivers and we've talked about waivers um, with uh, Representative Gustavo Rivera in the state Senate of New York and um, talking about, you know, you in order to go your own way as a state, you have to submit a waiver under the ACA um, to the federal government that allows you to sort of make changes. Um, and this is you know, red states have asked Donald Trump for waivers to not expand Medicare or, or Medicaid, excuse me, or expand Medicaid only a little bit, um, which is awful, or add work per work requirements to the re uh, receiving of uh, Medicaid, right, which is evil in its own way, especially for people with disabilities. Uh, but California, we got all the money. We got this super majority, 60 Democrats in the state assembly. Maybe we can be the ones to do this. Um, what do you think it takes here uh, in order to, to push that? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I do think it takes the governor putting forward this waiver request because mm -hmm. that really changes the equation, I think. And um, the reality is, is that, uh, you know, Democrats in California supported, I think, about 80 percent. You know, it is, you got to ask yourself, 
let's see, what political party in the world would not do something that 70 or 80% of its members want? Hmm. That would be the Democratic Party. Is there another one? Uh, so that's it takes coalescing that that political support because we have popular support. We've won the policy argument. I'm mm -hmm. not going to go into it here. So that's what's left is, is moving the electeds. What moves the electeds? Well, the industry is the biggest contributor. The healthcare industry is the biggest contributor to political campaigns. They are formidable. They spent, what was it, 100 and... Um, $61 million to defeat the drug prescription uh, price limitation initiative. What will they spend to preserve their profits? That's the huge problem. You've got uh, the California Medical Association opposed to Medicare for all. A bunch of the governor's staff in California are from the California Medical Association. He, They were the ones who hosted the dinner at the French Laundry for folks following that uh, that is uh -huh. right. That is <laughs> right. That's right. The CMA. I knew that. That's the medical association. So here we are, right? These uh, hospitals have convinced the legislators that they're just community nonprofits out for the good of the people when they're really just rapacious property owners ripping off the communities and dying people healthcare and closing hospitals in communities of color. So it's it's uh, it's quite an array, and that's why people power is the only thing that beats organized money, right? Organized people. That's what we got to do. We got to build the grassroots movement. We got to get labor. We got to move labor. We got to convince workers that, yeah, it is better. We're not taking it away. We're improving it. Your union's interests will be covered. And the vast majority of 95% uh, of people will pay less and get more. And we'll have what we don't have now. We'll have a caring, compassionate healthcare system rooted in kindness. And we have to talk about those things. And ultimately, as I said, we have to make the industry as toxic as tobacco, and we have to make the demand to save lives and desire for peace of mind as righteous as as um, the the movements you know that have changed this country in the past. And we're not going to do this. This notion that we're going to do this by itself. Oh, we're going to have a seven twenty five dollar minimum wage, but we're going to have Medicare for all. We're going to have cops killing black people, and we're going to have, you know, but we're going to have Medicare for all. No, those things don't coalesce together. You know, you can't have the opposites. You've got to coalesce folks so that we're all making the justice demands collectively, that mm. the demand for Medicare for all is the health justice wing of the broader social justice movement that is mm. addressing the triple crises of the pandemic, of systemic racism and state-sanctioned violence, and the crisis of economic inequality. It's it's this broad social movement that's going to transform our healthcare system as part of the transformation. And, and so I think absolutely. It all has I mean, and and I just we talked about the vaccine earlier, and I'm thinking about it now. You know, we know that like in LA, Latinos are affected like it's like a thousand times like a thousand percent more. I mean, it's insane the number of Latinos in in this state in this county who have uh, suffered and who have died disproportionately, right? This is the community who should be receiving the vaccine first, period, period. And we know that's not happening. It's not happening in New York where uh, black and Latino uh, New Yorkers are like disproportionately not being vaccinated compared to what they represent of the population, right? But it's like, and the, they're more likely to also be essential workers. So it's just like, 
and that I think might be an in this. I'm just me just spitballing, but an in with Biden, you know, who can who is not really able to think structurally or systemically or is scared of that, but but is being forced to think about things through an equity and a justice and a racial justice angle, um, which is great. And I think him having a more diverse administration is really critical and important. Having um, Becerra in there um, is really good at the health of at the Department of Health and Human Services. Um but man, it's a long fight. I guess I'm just wondering, current Democrats in state Senate in California, because I mean, God, I think about if there were 60 Republicans and only 19 Democrats, how fucked this state would be. I mean, what they would do with a super majority, like it would be, I mean, it'd be even worse than it is now, right? Uh, if you're not in California, we're not liberal, okay? Like a, a fourth of our population lives outdoors. So um <laughs> It's it's bad. But but what do you make of the current crop? Are they movable or are we primarying them? What what are your thoughts? I think they're movable. I think the leadership, I think the governor's leadership matters. Uh, the Senate we got through SB 562 in 2018, which was a Medicare for all type single payer bill for California. We got that through the state Senate. Um, Tony Atkins, the leader of the Senate, is very supportive, uh, very hardcore on the issue. So I, I, the, the assembly is, is the problem, I think. Because uh, okay. you've got, look at the, the Chamber of Commerce puts out the list of job killer bills every year. There are 50 bills on the list. It's very rare that even 45 of those survive. I mean, it's really like one or two get through. Mm. And so this, the, the fact is, is that corporate California dictates economic policy in the state. And the only time we've overcome it is when we put tax, you know, the rich initiatives on the ballot. You're right. This, I see, I think this is both, I think it's moral, I think it's fundamental that we address the health inequities, but it's also completely practical. Because if the, if the organizations devoted to uh, social justice and overcoming racial injustice were to make health, Medicare for all their healthcare plank, right? Like mm. Frontline, Rising Majority, Mahente, Movement for Black Lives. This is what I think can move the Biden administration. You've got, yes. the, you've got the Newsom administration putting forward a health equity program, but you can't have health equity. You can't have health care as a human right if it's conditioned on, oh, I can't, uh, my ability to pay. If it's conditioned on my race, if it's conditioned on my gender, my gender identity. This is not health care as a human right. This is health care by what the corporations decide I get. Yes. And, and the other thing about and I think everyone needs to understand this. The other thing that happens when we means test or, you know, we only make certain programs accessible to people just like Medicaid, which disproportionately does help black and brown Americans. Right. And poor folks, uh, uh, disabled people as well is that it will always be on the chopping block because rich people will always and politicians will always want to fucking undercut it because they don't know anybody on it That's because right. they're not benefiting from it. So once you may, I mean, this is the Pete Buttigieg bullshit of like, well, well what about rich people don't need health care? That's right. But they should pay into this system and they should defend it. They should, because once we're all collectively in it together, then they have a vested interest in making sure that it's good. So- uh Done. 10% of high income people are having trouble paying for health care. Now that's not the 90% Prices of, are insane. You know, low income people. Yeah. But yeah, so this is this is actually a cross-class issue. It's got to yeah. be rooted in the working class, and you're right, the essential workers in particular. But it is a cross-class issue. And yeah. the notion that the people who are, you know, you know, upper middle class have peace of mind when it comes to healthcare, they don't. None of us have peace of mind ultimately, unless you're ultra rich. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, um, 
Anything else, Danielle? Yes. I did an outpatient treatment program this summer, and it was really shocking to me when I was calling around to find out, like, how many days the program would be, because every response was, well, it depends on what your insurance will pay. And it's like, but, like, I need serious help. Mm -hmm. And I'm lucky that I could at least afford, like, my... Um, copay and my monthly, you know, payment and all of that for by fucking, you know, supplemental insurance. But it's like, wait, so my healthcare provider, my like mental healthcare provider has to basically defend that I need mental health treatment like in the middle of a fucking pandemic yeah it's just such a sick broken system and even when i exited that it's like why isn't there a way to just be able to get this kind of help if you need this kind of yeah and so many of i mean it's It's not the same but my personally, I go to like an osteopath, right? And like, they're all out of network. I mean, anyone who's ever helped me has been out of network. I have like horrible repetitive strain injury in my back and arms and uh, hands, et cetera. And, uh, you know, the et cetera part of the hands. And <laughs> like, but but nobody, a lot of the best providers don't take insurance because they don't want to deal with the fucking bureaucracy, you know? And if they're good providers, they're like, well, I don't have to. So, you know, not gonna. Um but yeah. remember the problem you're having, Danielle, people don't have on Medicare now. There are problems with Medicare, but doctors get what they order. Mm. And nurses have much greater um, ability to educate and spend time with those patients. So it is really a doctor, nurse, provider run system. And that's where this all this crap about government run healthcare is so hard to take because. Now insurance companies run healthcare. Come on. Yeah, that's what healthcare. it feels like. Right? <laughs> Doctors and nurses. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, being here, Michael. Um, your work is awesome. And I just want to make sure that everybody knows where to follow you um, on, on social media. And also, also, we didn't talk about, but Healthy California, Healthy CA is, is the initiative for single payer in California. And you, you guys are just getting started. Um, I mean, I know it's been in the works for a while, but you're really rolling out a campaign. And I wanted to ask how people, everyday people, individuals, uh, organizations, how, how can people get involved? We can join Healthy California by going to healthyca.org, healthyca.org. Individuals and organizations can join. We have a petition to the governor, petition.healthcare.org, that goes and urges him to put a waiver request into the federal government. We're initiating working with allies in in the California Nurses Association and others to move the legislature to support this process as well, to get individual legislators, because obviously it has died in the assembly last time, so we got to overcome that this time. And we think that pressure on the governor, pressure on the legislature creates the conditions for for, getting the waiver and and moving forward. And I think we're really in a process where we're going to have to assemble a very broad coalition that can inoculate folks and Healthy California is, is definitely committed to that. And we're building labor support. Unions are suffering during the pandemic, obviously. Yes. So we're seeing more response to that. And we're going to dig deep into the community-based organizations that are on the front lines of COVID and really facing these existential threats in communities of color. And we're going to have to bring those folks into the coalition in a very substantial way. And we are. 
I'm so excited. I, I, I definitely want to get involved and I'm not joking about starting some sort of comedians for single payer. I want to be all for that. I want to sign up. I oh, want all also, we got to tweet. So we got to all also tweet at, you know, Gavin Newsom, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly That's right. it. We got to just tweet that fool. Um, <laughs> tell him. Right, he's put an insurance company. He's put an insurance company in charge of the vaccine program. No. A health insurance company. Yeah. Expose Gavin Newsom. So I, I can't. I can't. The California's whole response to this. I just found out that the test I've been relying on for months, curative, is not actually reliable. And LA County was rolling that out for everybody. So sorry, mom. Almost yeah. killed you. Uh, I'm the fucking Elizabeth mad. Holmes of uh, COVID testing. You know, <laughs> telling you, this is nothing but Elizabeth Holmes all over the place. The guy who's in charge of curative, the 25 year old, also dropped out of Stanford. <laughs> they yeah. love it. Are you serious? Are you serious? Yes. Fucking and what hell. school did you not be a tech medical to? genius if you don't drop out of Stanford? <laughs> no one's they, gonna look. He got in. People just think once you get in, that's that's it. Yeah. Um, I uh, grew up not far from Stanford. Fuck all those people. I'm just kidding. Uh, some are good. Um, a <laughs> uh, couple comments. Um, Ty Gra off says works worked since I was 14 to 61 and never ever had benefits whatsoever. Wow. Not okay. Steven Turner, uh, thank you for the super chat and says, Michael, it's worse than big tobacco. They never pretended that they were there for the people. As an ED doctor, we see the worst possible outcomes from these levels of disinformation. Hmm. They're just um, not politically toxic like tobacco. That's what we got to change. Yeah. Right. We have to actually change the discussion around it. Bonds, thank you for the super chat. I'm disabled right now and can't start the Humera I need because it's a $1,500 copay. Bullshit. Meanwhile, you know, the, the ads that they place, the money that they're spending, get on Humera. Yeah. For how much? Yeah. You know, and this is something where I think even Republicans, the ones I've spoken to about the about big pharma, they know. Their constituents are like, this is insane. In fact, and this is the last story I'll tell, but but really quickly, uh, I was in um, in Utah and speaking with a state legislator there, and they have a program which sends their state employees to Mexico in a plane, limousine, picks them up, five-star hotel, so that they can go buy their meds, and it's cheaper than buying them in the United States. Oh my God. Yeah. So, um, God, Michael, please come back, but will you just for right now stay for our last segment? Absolutely. Okay. Can't resist Wonderful. having too much fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we have our very new segment. Thanks to Becca Roofer, the producer. This is What's Good. What's Good. Oh, we got Cardi. That's cute gif. I love that. Love <laughs> Cardi. Stop holding maskless parties. Um, Danielle, let's start with you. What's good? What's good? Um, all the information that Michael just shared. I love that. <laughs> no, honestly, like I feel so informed and I feel like empowered to take action. And like now I know what I can do and where I can go, all of those websites, knowing that Gavin Newsom truly has influence and that we have a super majority that can like actually make this a reality. That's good. That's good. This podcast, getting all of this out, that's good. Right also your earrings 
and oh, and and, yeah. and I wear very Thanks. good. I know. I'm like, what if I just dress like Tessa Thompson in Sorry to Bother You? <laughs> that was my little <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I love, I love it. Um, yeah. Okay. Michael, what's good beyond this fight? What I, what I really find good in this moment is the reaction to the Biden-Harris election is so different from the reaction to the Obama election in mm. the sense that the left just went away. Oh, he'll take care of it. And this time the left is like, no, man, you're going to do this. And that's not okay. That, that's okay. It's not perfect. It's not as strong as we want, but it's pretty strong and it's pretty out there. And I just don't think they're going to get away with it this time. Absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're like, no, no, I'm going to watch as you sign. Right. No, you're going to sign that. You Take your hand and sign it. Yeah, I love that. They're not going to turn their back. We don't, none of us want to turn our backs on Biden. Closing down very... the fire, but got to make sure we rebuild the house right, you know? Like, right yeah. Um, exactly. What's good for me? Uh... <sighs> <laughs> that purple light is really cute. That's good. And your lipstick. Uh, it makes lipstick. Your li I really love your lipstick. That's the lipstick very for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm not good, you guys. I'll give you a different what's good. Um, I was trending on Reddit yesterday. I was on the front page. I wow. saw that. Price is right. Um, I want a treadmill on the Price is Right. Um, and I use a wheelchair and don't have feet. So the internet was like, aha, LOL. And <laughs> it was All really right. fun. <laughs> And every now and then it like pops back up. And so yesterday it was on Reddit and that was a fun thing. Oh my gosh. When it, when this all opens up and everyone, if you get a chance to see Danielle, you have to see her live. She's absolutely hilarious. Of course. Um, what's good for me. Okay. Here's what's good. Uh, I don't, I haven't found a good veggie burrito in Los Angeles. If you've got tips, let me know. But the breakfast burrito near my house is very good. They got they put actual hash browns mm. in it, like not potato, but hash browns. Mm -hmm. It's it's <laughs> it's good. It's it's one of those like eat half of it and then like slowly snack for the rest of the day on the latter half. Where do you go? Shout them out. Cause you live, we live, we're like kind of neighbors. You know, I have too many stalkers on the internet for that, Danielle. But, I will. Uh, Ask you for that info. I hear but, that. No, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Lighty, Danielle Perez. Thank you both so much for being here. Everybody follow their work. Uh, Michael, uh, we can follow you on, on Twitter, mlighty60 and Danielle Perez follow at diva deluxe d-i-v-a-d-e-l-u-x and listen to the podcast uh wow rude um with madison shepherd so funny thank you guys both be very very well take good care thank you thank you and thanks for every thanks for every little thing you all do in the chat you know i see you talking back and forth i see you don't think i don't see you um <clears throat> Some comments. What's good? I'm so glad you guys weighed in. Having a female veep is good. Dogs are good. Expensive scotch is good. Broad city is good. People power is good. I love this. I love you all. I was also going to say um, Daniel Levy in Schitt's Creek is very good. And his sweaters are even better. And I kind of just love him. And I wish that he was pansexual in real life. Maybe he is. Anyway, um, 
Thank you so much for uh, sticking around in the Bituation Room, you guys. Make sure to uh, like and subscribe and, you know, five stars and all that crap. And, uh, you know, become a patron or whatever. It's pretty sexy. Also, you can tip the show. And thank you to our producer, Becca Roofer, for Dorsey Shaw and Kelly Carey on the other side of the YouTube, making sure this content keeps on pumping out. Um, and I felt like we were on such a good note. But uh, just remember... These people are out there. The picture of Ruth Bader Gingrich walking through the airport. This woman has been drawn over for how many years? And all of a sudden, she's walking straight up right like it's a whole new it's person. Almost like Do a body double like Hillary Clinton. Ruth? Yeah, like, like yes. the body double for Hillary Clinton. So I do not believe that was Ruth. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Worms in the brain, y'all. That was Marjorie... Taylor Green with some unknown right wing caller who's got a holla at me number. And I think we might have to holla. All right, you guys. F- fuck the patriarchy, fight the power. And remember, don't just bitch about it, be about it. Bye.